eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Built by Bama online podcast presents Daybreak for Wednesday, April the 8th, 2020. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by Alabama Beat Reporter for us there at BamaOnline.com. You know him. You read him. You listen to him here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Charlie Potter. Charlie, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, hanging in there, trying to stay busy. We actually, um, we have started Ozark from the beginning. Oh, so, nice. yeah, I'm not quite up to, to speed, but we've watched a couple episodes and um, I don't know. That's just not what I was expecting. It, it's intense, to say the least. <laughs> Yeah, that first opening episode or two <laughs> yeah. will certainly uh, get you to straighten up a little bit there in the old love seat if you're uh, sitting with the spouse, maybe getting into it. It's interesting because in our house, I'm through all three seasons. The, the, the wife, she kind of started it with me, I guess, a couple of years ago now, whatever that was. Uh, she kind of trailed off on it, but now that she's heard me talk about it so much and she's seen me watch it or whatever she's kind of started back at one season one and we're kind of moving back through it together so i think it's catching her do you think you're in it for the long haul at this point i have no reason not to be it'll be interesting to see how the both of us hold up with it um like i said it is intense and you know, we've seen a lot of things with, with jason bateman this is a little different to say the least <laughs> but um now i'm i mean I'm not necessarily invested as much, but I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll watch an, a few more this week before uh, the wife has to go back to work and uh, we'll go from there. That's what I was going to ask you. Do, do you guys, for a variety of reasons, the, the wife and I, that that's what happens with us because of kind of our work schedules or, you know, how we work or even our sort of you know, bedtimes, respective bedtimes. Uh, they're, they're different. The, the, does that kind of impact you guys in terms of show consumption and the like? No, it's because we have completely different interests and, and tastes when there it comes to, to movies and TVs. Like, um, she'll, I, it's, it's been killing me in this quarantine is cause she watches the same movies over and over again. And it, and it isn't really her fault because TV, you know, you, you'll turn on like something like FX or TNT or HBO and they're playing the same movies over and over again. And, and, uh, she loves movies like, um, La La Land, Crazy Stupid Love, you know, your rom-coms. When those are on, the TV stops. Yeah. yeah. But for me, like I, I try to, especially during this time to, to watch new things. And, you know, I like, 
a variety of different genres. I like the action movies. My dad and I watch all the comic book and Star Wars movies, and she has no interest in those. So uh, for for us, it's just trying to find something that we're both interested in. Now, we both watch Tiger King because um, you know that's kind of what everybody's talking about. So we go that route, but uh, it, it's it's kind of rare for us to find a TV show that we both like. I like the comedies a lot. But I also like the uh, the Goodfellas, the Casinos, the Godfathers, the Mafia flicks, basically the gangster movies in general, and that's where uh, that's where we sort of go our our separate roads there, yeah. separate ways a little bit when it comes to the old movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I like comedy movies. Um, I probably like the the dumber ones. <laughs> um, like I love I love old school. That's one of my favorites. Um, and she's more of the, yeah, the rom-com, uh, and, and, you know, the movies that she likes, like, I think La La Land's a great movie. Um, you know, I've, I've seen Crazy Stupid Love enough times now that I can quote it cause she watches it all the time. But, um, you know, like I, I'm trying to, during this time, watch things either that I haven't seen or I know she hasn't seen, like she hasn't uh-huh. seen, um, just until just recently I got her to watch the original Star Wars trilogy. She hasn't seen The Godfather. She hasn't seen a single Indiana Jones movie. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get her cultured, I guess I could say. See, the the Spielberg, George Lucas type stuff, I was sort of split on that growing up. That was, you know, really in my formative years, going way, way back when Star Wars hit in the seventies, but and I wasn't as big on Star Wars, but I'll watch every bit of Indiana Jones. You know, yeah. I mean so that's kind of where I, I did a little split there in the in the 70s into the 80s. But, uh, man, there's just so much accessible to us now between the streaming services, uh, between cable for those who still uh, subscribe to it. Um, I guess if there's a silver lining in all of this with this COVID-19 situation and being isolated, quarantined, whatever your, your particular situation might entail – uh, there is content. There is there is plenty and plenty of content. There's plenty of content at BamaOnline.com, by the way, which we will get around to talking about here in just a little bit. And some of that news-breaking variety content we learned of on Tuesday, Charlie, as Nate Oates just keeps it rolling on the recruiting trail. A week and a half here in which Alabama went from outside the top 25 in the team rankings uh, for the 24-7 sports composite uh, checklist there to now inside the the top 15 or at 15th following the commitment of Darius Miles on Tuesday afternoon to the Crimson Tide, the IMG product serving a post-grad year down there in Bradenton, Florida. I, I don't know, Charlie. I, I didn't really see this coming. Not that we cover recruiting like Hank and like Tim, um, but this has been this has been pretty incredible to watch here. Yeah, it's been a surge. Um, and you know, we we spoke to Nate Oates on a teleconference. It seems like eons ago now, but you know, it's been a couple of weeks, maybe three. I don't even know. Time is a is a concept I'm not familiar with anymore, but. He talked about how they were going to still um, you know, recruit a lot of positions, primarily guards, and we've seen them kind of fill that. I know Darius Miles is a, is a forward, but you know, we've seen how they uh, like to play kind of small and, and use um, uh, you know a combination of guards and wings on the floor with maybe one big or, or maybe a guy like Herb Jones at the five. So he kind of fits that mold, um, you know, scorer, 
guys not afraid to attack the rim, and, and that's something I think they've wanted to add. And, um, you know, just versatility. I mean, last year I know it was because of injuries, but, you know, guys that are the size that Darius Miles is, they were few and far between. Uh, and so, you know, to add another guy like that, in, in which that's kind of how basketball is going, those long athletic wings, um, you, you can't have enough of those guys on your roster. And so, yeah, I mean, this last week and a half, whether it was um, – Josh Primo, Keon Ellis, the Juco transfer, now Darius Miles. It's just been good news after good news for Nate Oates, and it doesn't sound like they're done. They they have their um, name in the hats of a lot of guys, especially out there in the transfer portal, a lot of grad transfers. And uh, I, I think they're still looking to add uh, a big that can pass, dribble, and shoot. And, um, you know, I think they're still looking for, for guards. And, you know, right now with, with what they have, they have four commitments, one signee, the signee being Keon Ambrose Hilton, that fills the the void left behind by by Beetle Bolden, the senior. Uh, Raymond Hawkins entered the transfer portal, so there goes Josh Primo's spot. And then, you know, Nados has been adamant that um, with Cairo Lewis and John Petty declaring for the NBA draft, although not hiring agents, they're actively recruiting their replacements because you can't not do that if you want to stay afloat. And uh, that would, you know, with what they have, that would kind of be maxed out but we've seen in this day and age in in college basketball especially how players transfer each and every day the the portal uh, it doesn't take long for that thing to get full and so you know you could look at you know, some situations there from Alabama's current roster where they see some attrition and uh, they start to bring in uh, guys that NATO thinks fits his system a little better so I think that right now um, it, it has been kind of a surprise with how quickly and, and how many quality players they've been able to get committed here in the last week and a half, but now it'll be really interesting to see how they handle this moving forward and maybe some movement we see from the current roster because, uh, you know, they're, they're staying very, very busy on that recruiting trail. Yeah, I mean, if guys like Jordan Bruner, and we don't know for certain that he's going to end up in this in this hall, the grad transfer from Yale, he was reportedly down to Alabama, Baylor, and Maryland, so that's some pretty significant competition there for the 6'9 forward uh, again, previously of Yale, uh, Luther Muhammad is another guard that's opened up here in the last few days from Ohio State. I know Evan Daniels on Tuesday evening had a report that with Muhammad, he was looking at eight schools primarily. As of this time, he had Alabama among those eight. So it almost seems inevitable that the plan, at least, is that there's there's very much the the possibility for some additional attri- additional attrition with the roster that the that Alabama finished the season with. And look, if you're an Alabama fan, you're hoping that this isn't based on perhaps even Herbert Jones looking to make the jump to professional basketball. Although Charlie, it sounds like uh, Nate Oates is is expecting or would be surprised, I guess, is a way to say it, if in fact Herb did make that move. Yeah, he was talking with uh, Wimp Sanderson on Tide 100.9. I know you you work over there, and, and they do a good job. And um, you know, Oates has a good relationship with Wimp, so it's it's not uh, surprising to see him kind of open up a little bit. And he he just said he assumed that that Herb would be coming back, and he's almost said as much. And it makes sense though for guys like Herbert Jones and John Petty to to do this, even though it is kind of an unprecedented time with not knowing when the draft will be, because they'll be seniors next year. This is the only time they can do this 
without hiring an agent and get that feedback uh, before actually going into the draft and, and not being able to come back. So uh, it, it makes sense. And I think with her, um, you know, everyone knows what kind of defender he is. And if he can get some pointers from an NBA perspective of what he needs to do offensively, I think that can help him in his senior season. So, yeah, I w- I'd be shocked if he's not back. And I think Alabama would be, too. But, um, hey, you mentioned attrition. Uh, you know, going back to that teleconference, I think we've talked about it before. Um, you know, NATO said that this roster is going to be um, drastically different. And uh, you, you can see how, you know, with all the seeds they put out there, uh, that they they believe that you know I don't know if conversations have happened with current players yet or not, uh, but they're going to probably have to. And you also got to think, you know, what if a guy like John Petty decides to come back to school? Well, right now he doesn't have a spot, so you're going to have to have a spot come open, and it's not going to be from the guys that you got committed. It's going to be guys within the program that you don't maybe see a future in this system. So that'll be interesting to see how it's handled. And yeah, I mean, it seems like. <laughs> Multiple times a day, you know, there's a transfer out there that puts out a list and, and Alabama's in that, um, you know, final group of whatever number it might be. So they've, they've been active. And I think that, you know, Luther Muhammad's an interesting one because he's a guy that's really close with Javon Quinterly. Uh, I think people might know him a little bit more from that viral moment when Colin Sexton was on the free throw line or he wasn't shooting a free throw, but he was waiting for a rebound. And uh, he kind of felt Muhammad staring at him. So he stopped, turned around and just, you know, put his hands on his knees and stared right in his face. Uh, that, that's kind of become a gift now. So he has some some ties to Alabama in, in more than one way. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's, he's leaning one way or the other, but the fact that he is pretty close with Javon Quinterly, I think, helps Alabama. So, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see more transfers the, for Nate Oates and, and his staff to reach out to or, you know, to continue to test the waters because, you know, it, this is a, an ongoing process and they're trying to make their roster better. And this roster is going to look a lot different next season. Yeah. And you're recruiting with different sort of progressions in mind. Uh, you're recruiting, obviously, to get the very best talent you can get into the program as soon as you possibly can. But the expectation for Darius Miles in 2020-2021, the upcoming season, isn't going to be the same, um, you know, as you as you have for some other guys in this class. Keon Ellis. I mean, look at these two guys. I mean, they're pretty similar. I guess Ellis more of a guy that can play on the ball, perhaps even some two, three kind of all blends in together these days, it seems like. Um, But you're going to expect Keon Ellis is the number one junior college combo guard in the country to come in and be a huge impact guy. Whereas maybe not so much um, with Darius Miles, although you're thrilled to have this guy. I guess what I'm talking about, there are guys that are going to be looked upon immediately to do their thing. And then there's going to be maybe some guys that are more developmental. I would say, Darius Miles probably fits that. Josh Primo physically maybe needs still some time to get there, uh, but skill-wise, talent-wise, he's going to be expected early uh, to make a splash. So when you start putting these pieces in with what we anticipate to be back, it's tough, though, because you don't know for sure about John Petty. You see Kyra in some first-round mocks. You see him in some top 20s. Uh, overall for some big boards like cbssports.com. I mean, you just go ahead and anticipate Kyra's moving on. Um, but for these latest commitments, how do you sort of see them fitting into this puzzle that is still got a, a long way to go and sort of being uh, put together, it seems like? 
I think you laid it out pretty well. I mean, I think Darius Miles and maybe even Keon Ambrose are in that developmental range, and, and it's maybe not so much uh, indicative of them as what Alabama has coming back at their positions yeah. because you have Herb Jones is likely going to come back after testing the NBA draft waters, and you have two guys that are essentially um, <laughs> new players in Juwan Gary and, and James Rojas, and, and James Rojas is – um, you know, more of a, of a low post player, but, you know, he's coming in as a junior college All-American and then tears his ACL. And uh, I think they have big plans for him. I think they will have big plans for him in the upcoming season. So the the guys that are more that that long uh, athletic wing, I, I think there's a place for them in the rotation. Uh, but there's some older guys ahead of them that I think are kind of uh, up in the pecking order more so than the younger guys. But it, We've talked a lot about guards, and NATO keeps mentioning guards. And you know, there's a, a, a time and when he would want to play two-point guards on the floor at the same time. And uh, you look at Josh Primo, while he is a combo guard, he can play a little bit of the point. Uh, I think he and Javon Quinterly can coexist in the backcourt together. Uh, Keon Ellis is you know, another top-rated JUCO guy, and they want to get as many guards on the floor as they can, as many scores on the floor as they can, and, and those two guys fit that bill. So uh, I think you laid it out pretty well. Um, I think that's kind of where it sits, and but you never know what's going to happen from a nutrition standpoint either, where some of these guys might be called into duty um, that that we don't foresee right now. So it'll be interesting to see how this roster shakes out. Um, it, it, you know, it's they're definitely um, holding true to their word though that it's going to look a lot different, and um, you know it, they're going to have a nice mixture of, of veterans and newcomers for sure. No doubt about that. Let's get into some football talk here on Daybreak for a Wednesday, joined by Charlie Potter. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And as we've been doing here in previous episodes, we've been making the case for various members of the Alabama football roster. On this Wednesday, Charlie, we're going to go into Christian Barmore, the third-year defensive lineman. What needs to happen for Christian Barmore to take that next step? Production-wise, when you look at just tackles for loss last year, this is a guy who led the way among Alabama defensive linemen, which unfortunately for Alabama, it didn't take a whole lot for that group. Six was enough in terms of tackles for loss to be that guy. And even in the sacks department, uh, really, really sort of anemic performance for Alabama up front, even with Raquan Davis in his final year. Yes, you had the injury to LeBron Ray, but you were forced in so many ways to play so many young guys. So let's get into Christian Barmore. And it seems like, Charlie, in some ways, Christian Barmore is, 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 is resembles uh, Josh Job. Obviously not in terms of physical terms. We're talking about a defensive lineman in a corner. But as far as some of the things that maybe Christian Barmore needs to take care of, to become that sort of dominant player on an every down basis that a lot of people think he can be. Yeah. I think the, the word for uh, Christian Barmore last season was just inconsistent and it's, it's not necessarily 
I had the same thing as Josh Job. Josh Job's a lot of emotional, and I think Christian Barmore just needed to learn the defense. A lot of times he would zig when he was supposed to zag, and uh, you know that hindered him a little bit. But I think the the ability that he has as an interior pass rusher is why we saw him on the field so much. And if he could have you know gotten the defense down a little bit more, we'd have seen a lot more of him, and they would have had a lot more production from a pass rushing standpoint. Because you're right, I mean the defensive line produced little to, to no sacks last year. I mean, Justin Aboigby missed the first three games and he finished with one and a half and that was second behind Barmore. And we you know we're not sitting here talking about Justin Aboigby as some pass rushing, some, some pass rushing fiend. Um, you know, Barmore was that guy, but he was, um, you know, using a limited role early on that kind of expanded as he showed what he can do. It's just, you know, if he can learn how to do that on a consistent basis, he could be a very dangerous player. He could see a real surge in his production, um, you know, in 2020. And I think that'll be big for an Alabama defensive line that you know, returns a, a lot of guys that played last year, but still looking for that uh, top player. I mean, it'll help. You mentioned LeBron Ray having him back. He had a sack in his first three games before that foot injury. I kept him on the sideline. But, um, you know, when you talk about a, a defensive lineman, that they liked from an interior pass rush standpoint, it was Christian Barmore because uh, Nick Saban was asked multiple times last season about Barmore, and every time he did, he always mentioned that pass rush. And that was something that they lacked after Quentin Williams uh, decided to turn pro because Raekwon Davis was just um, inconsistent and and lackluster in that department. And um, I think if Barmore can put everything together, he's going to be a big piece of this defense in 2020. Alabama's defensive line in 2019 – Seven and a half sacks as a unit, seven and a half sacks and 15 quarterback hurries. Uh, We talked about it before. If you just go back to the year before 2019, 2018, Isaiah Bugs and Quinnen Williams, they combined for 17 and a half sacks. Those two guys alone had 10 more sacks in 2018 than the entire Alabama defensive line had together in 2019 so you're right it's got to come from somewhere and absolutely you hope for an extended stretch for LeBron Ray of good health uh perhaps this this extended break that we're seeing here uh will only help him uh from that standpoint uh but if I were to ask you on April the 8th at some point hopefully when we do play football in the fall if LeBron Ray is a given at one end position, would you have Christian Bar- Barmore as the starter at other end? He can play inside um, in pass rush situations, as we know. Uh, if it's DJ Dale at nose tackle and it's LeBron Ray at one end, who would you have as that other end? I would have Barmore. Um, just because of the potential there, I think with it, it hurts him a little bit not to have spring practice for him to get those 15 practices uh, to to continue to learn the defense and, and get those first team reps that he could potentially get. Um, you know, the competition there would be you, know, you can move a guy like Fidarian Mathis, who's been in the program and seen a lot of reps with the ones uh, at end. You saw those two freshmen last year, Boygby and Byron Young, see a lot of the uh, playing time um, and you know that they have other options but I, I just think with what he brings from a pass rush standpoint Barmore is going to see a lot of the field in 2020 so he gets the edge for me um, you know it'll be interesting to see what some of these freshmen can do when they get there but um, it's just if they were going to play a game this evening on Wednesday night 
then I would give Barmore the nod. And I yeah. think that's the way that Nick Saban and company would go too, just because, you know, you, you, you know what LeBron Ray can do and DJ Dale can take up space in the middle. Then you just have another guy on the edge that can, can get after the passer. And um, that, that is something that, yeah, I, I touched on it before. I mean, Nick Saban talked a lot about the inconsistent um, approach that Barmore had and, you know, that, he wasn't used as much because he would go one direction when he's supposed to go the other, but his ability to get after the quarterback is, is very valuable to that defense. And I think that gives him the, the edge over the rest of his teammates. He had 26 tackles last year. Christian Barmore did, did. six of them went for loss. So you like that ratio. It's kind of yeah. like a Henry Ruggs, the third catch to touchdown ratio. Um, you like that about once out of every four and a half tackles, this guy is dropping folks uh, behind the line of scrimmage. You like that, but you've pretty much touched on it too. If you're zigging when you're supposed to be zagging, that's where the trust issues come into play. And going into his third year, you would think a lot of that would dissipate. And, you know, in certain situations when he is supposed to occupy double teams and free up other guys to make plays, he understands that. He carries out that role. Um, and then there's other situations where he needs to be more along the lines of a, uh, you know, an Isaiah Bugs or a Quentin Williams type, depending on the situation. And and it's Christian Barmore who's making plays. You know, I, I, I would I would think in pass rush situations, no doubt, Christian Barmore is going to be a guy out there. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. So uh, Byron Young has a lot of upside, and it looked like late in the 2019 season, he was a guy that was playing more and more, even uh, perhaps more so than Justin Aboigby. But Aboigby, you can see it in this young guy as well. And then you got to factor in the new position coach, Charlie, and that's yeah. something none of us can sort of predict at this point. Um, yeah. It, it, New hires benefit different guys for whatever reason. Sometimes it just the connections made and it, it works better between certain coaches and players. So, you know, you got to consider that, too, with Freddie Roach, I guess. Yeah, I think a lot of the newness kind of, um, you know, affects Christian Barman, maybe not necessarily in a, in a positive way, because, yes, you do have a new position coach coming in. And that's kind of been the norm for the defensive linemen. But you also you don't have a veteran like. Raekwon Davis to lean on. You don't have Anthony Jennings out there to lean on. You don't have Terrell Lewis. You don't have those veteran uh, players to kind of clean up maybe some of the mistakes that a young guy can make. And, um, you know, he's going to have to be now the guy that um, is the is a force up front and, you know, telling people where to line up and, and things like that. So I think it's a lot on his shoulders. But, you know, you see the videos of him. Um, he's attacking this offseason as, season as much as he can, obviously, with the coronavirus situation. But uh, I, I just think that those spring practices were very valuable to a player like yeah. Christian Barmore, not only to, to learn that defense like we've talked about, but to get that familiarity with Freddie Roach to, you know, understand some, it's not going to be, com, you know, completely different. It's still Nick Saban's defense. They're, they're running the same system, but it's just, it's a new voice. Um, you, you learn new things during practice. There might be some new terminology, just a new way of doing things. And, um, you know, you don't have that now. And if Nick Saban gets his way and they have those 14 practices before fall camp starts, at least from, just from a teaching standpoint, that'll benefit Barmore. But you know, I think he needs just as much time on the field and, um, you know, with these uh, with this new coaching um, or new position coach as he can get, because it's all about, you know, what's going on between the ears for Barmore. If he can get that down, uh, he can be a really special player for Alabama in 2020. Yeah, I, I think with Barmore, 
if you were to say, if you were to look at this group and say, okay, where's the next productive guy along the lines of a Quentin Williams or a Deron Payne, understanding that he's not an every down nose tackle or interior player, although you're going to see him in there a lot with the way Alabama plays defense these days. I think you'd point at Barmore, you know, that group for sure. If he isn't that other end to LeBron Ray, well, if it's second and eight and they go to nickel or they go to dime, he's going to be in there in all likelihood because of what we have talked about. And that's that playmaking ability and specifically interior pass rush ability that Barmore is going to bring to the table. I guess overall what we're going to be waiting to see is who is the real sort of alpha dog of this group, whether it's nose tackle, whether it's end. I do think with LeBron Ray, his health for this year is obviously important in terms of what he can bring to the table uh, from a statistical production standpoint when he is healthy. But you sort of touched on this as an example setter as much as anything else as a leader type in his fourth year in the program, this that, that's going to be as important as anything else for trying to keep, for trying to keep LeBron Ray healthy, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, um, just look at what happened with the inside linebackers this past year. I mean, those young guys that were forced into action, they didn't have anybody ahead of them to be like, okay, look how so-and-so does it. Now go do that. Um, you know, uh, Josh McMillan and, and uh, Dylan Moses were, rehabbing they weren't at practice so you know you don't have a, a Raekwon Davis there anymore to you know go through the drills first and and you know maybe set the tone from a leadership perspective and those guys are gonna have to step into it I think the group as a whole um you know has a lot of promise has a lot of talent you have some newcomers come in I think Tim Smith is going to be a factor on this defensive line but you just don't have that veteran presence I mean LeBron Ray's played uh, a lot of football in Alabama but he played in three games last year and really his first role or first year as a starter before that foot injury um you know DJ Dale we don't know how he's gonna look after this this knee injury kind of was a, a laboring and lingering issue for him so uh there's gonna be a lot of young guys that are gonna have to step up and uh, be those example setters and those leaders of that group that haven't had to be before. And it is a situation where, you know, it seems like it would be easy, but there's no one really there to, you know, ask, well, how to do this. LeBron raised that guy. And if, you know, if, if he can be on the field, that's good for Alabama. But, you know, we, we have to see if that foot's healed, if he has any other kind of injuries, because that's a foot injury he re-aggravated. Um, if he's healthy, that's big. But if not, it's going to be up to guys like Barmore and, and Mathis and Dale uh, to really you know, find their voices and be the leaders of that group because all the veteran presence is gone. Yeah, we can talk about Freddie Roach and you know him coming in there and uh, coming into the situation and, and trying to really establish his voice in that room. But the best kind of accountability typically comes from the accountability – teammates hold each other to you yeah. know, that seems to have more impact on those guys or gals depending on the sport you're talking about when you've got teammates uh, position mates that are able to sort of hold each other to a higher level of accountability than even a position coach will that's when you really have something good and I agree I think talent wise this collection of defensive linemen has everything you're looking for at this point, especially when you start to infuse or if you sort of consider the Jack linebacker position, the outside linebackers that have come in from a talent perspective to go along with these guys and coordinate 
them into the pass rush and, and choreograph those guys together in those different looks. But uh, going to be some things to work out still. And Christian Barmore will certainly be a central figure in all of that. Well, Charlie, I'll let you get back to uh, we'll let you get back to Ozark. Are you through season one yet? Where are you at? No, I'm I'm just a couple episodes in, so I know you're gonna be frustrated because you don't want to talk about it. We're 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 doing a <laughs> slow roll. I, I didn't I don't know like I was so used to things like Tiger King being a little shorter, and then you yeah. you infuse it with it being about an hour long with the intensity. I feel like I'm watching Game of Thrones again with a little um with a little less intensity, I guess. I mean, I, I'm sure I'll be. Uh, surprise, but um, yeah, I, I guess with that show, um, it, it was a, it was a shock. But in the 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 season opener, I guess the the series opener, the the uh, the 80th story scene, I didn't, you know, I wasn't scarred for life of that because I've seen so much with with Oof. Game of Thrones. But still, I wasn't expecting it. I guess. Yeah, that'll change your perspective of downtown Chicago. No <laughs> doubt about it. Always good stuff, Charlie. Always great work there at BamaOnline.com. By the way, I'm sure we're going to be ramping up NFL draft coverage here in the coming weeks as well. And never a dull moment from the recruiting perspective, especially in hoops right now with NATO. We'll continue to monitor that for you as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryers, thanking you once again for joining us on Daybreak. Keep it locked at BamaOnline.com for all things Crimson Tide. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. <laughs>